So glad that you're here. My name is Greg Brady. I'm the pastor here at Hope Church. If I have not met you, I would love to meet you after the worship service. Uh, Thank you for being here. And for those worshiping online uh, today, uh, thank you for worshiping with us. Um, This morning is one where um, we're having to be flexible especially if you like can't see out of your left eye and have to depend on your right eye and our right screen. Um, you may be having some difficulties. Um, sorry about that. For all of our left eye uh, worshipers, you're in luck today. Let's turn to Mark uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 13. Starting in the second half of verse 6, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. We're in this message series Bold Families for Christ. Last week, last week, we looked at the need of having bold belief that Jesus really is who he says that he is. He's, he's uh, the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And if Jesus really is who he says that he is, and you believe that, that it changes your life. Like, you have to live differently. You have to listen to what Jesus says and say, I'm going to, to do this to the best of my ability with God working in my life. I'm going to follow Jesus if he really is who he says that he is. And uh, today, we're going to take a look at this question. Um, um, so what? You know, if Jesus gives us um, commands to follow, if he says, follow me, um, so what? What is that life going to look like? And as you can read from the title of the message, um, the so what is this? You have a bold mission. You have a bold mission. I'm hoping uh, that having a bold mission will move to a core belief for us um, today. And last week we talked about different kind of beliefs, uh, public beliefs, those things that we wish other people thought that we believed, even though we know... uh, well and good, sometimes we don't believe those things. So public beliefs, those things that we want people to believe about us so that we can look better. Private beliefs, those things that we think that we believe, we would like to believe, but sometimes we don't actually believe them. And then core beliefs, those are the beliefs that are um, demonstrated in our life through our actions. And so I'm hoping by, um, as we read this word, that... um, we will develop into a core belief that we are on a mission. And if you look at your note sheet, um, you'll see 
that there's an outline to this uh, sermon, and it kind of gives us this big statement um, that I'm making today about your bold mission. And it's this. God's bold mission for you is this. You are boldly sent with bold authority to be boldly humble, sharing a bold message. So I want to look at the first part of this. Um, you are boldly sent. To be a disciple means to be sent. Where? Out. <laughs> Out. It's interesting, when you look through the storyline of the Bible, there are very few times when uh, people are told by God to, hey, stay home. <laughs> stay where you're at. Adam and Eve, maybe. You know, cultivate this garden. Make it a great place. Um, but shortly after that, God starts sending people out. God sends Abraham out and says, I want you to leave your homeland. Go out to the land that I will show you. God moves Joseph, um, Abraham's great-grandson, out from that homeland to go live in Egypt. Of course, the Israelites grow as a nation in Egypt, and then God says, I want you to leave Egypt, and I want you to go out. Go back to the land that I gave your forefather, Abraham. And the people settle there. God's people settle, settle there, but God starts giving them this message. I'm going to be sending you out. I want you to be light to the Gentiles. And he, he even carries them out to these um, unknown and sometimes hostile places, the, 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 the kingdom of Babylon, where they are actually to, able to be a light. And, of course, Jesus sends his church out, Christians out with a bold mission. It's tempting for us, it's tempting for me, um, to, to work on my little kingdom, my, you know, 14614 Redwood Bend Trail, that little kingdom there, and get my house, my kingdom. Actually, it's Melissa's house, Melissa's kingdom. Get, get that exactly how she wants it. Um, it's easy for us to start thinking of my little, my little space, but God keeps pushing the church and Christians out. Verse 7 says, Calling the twelve to him, the twelve disciples to him, he began to send them out two by two. Uh, now, this method of being sent out um, may not be what Jesus sends you out to do, to, to do this kind of go from house to house method of sharing this message. In the first century, showing hospitality to strangers and travelers, it was just a, a huge expectation. It was a hospitality culture. Um, think about being in Jesus' day. You couldn't wander from town to town and you know find that Motel 6 was there leaving the light on for you. If you were new to that area, it means you had to stay with someone living in that town, maybe a stranger. And so if someone, uh, if someone you didn't know showed up on your front porch and said, I, I'm, I'm here, I, I need a place to stay, um, back in Jesus' day, it was accepted you'd let him in. That happens today. Someone shows up on your front porch saying, hey, I don't know you, I need a place to stay. You'll probably want to call the cops on them. But in Jesus' day, you 
you welcomed them in. It was a hospitality culture. So this passage may not give us, living here and now, in our culture, may not give us the actions of mission to exactly emulate, but it does give us important elements of mission we must include. Ultimately, our mission is to share a message. And I want to unpack a few of those other elements of our mission that we must include. Um, Next one is this, that we are to go out with bold authority. I think it's, it's important, it's helpful to remember that we don't go out speaking for ourselves, but we go out speaking for Jesus. We represent Jesus. You know, in, in Jesus' day, he, he confined himself to a human body. Um, he didn't multiply himself to go out to all these different towns and the homes and the towns. He did it one after another. And in order to get the work done, he sent his disciples out to be his representatives. and says, I want you to go out. I'm sending you. Verse 7 ends with this. Jesus gave them authority. Gave them authority over impure spirits. So Jesus sends his disciples out to do exactly what he was doing. Not just giving this message, but also doing the work that Jesus was doing. The, The disciples didn't say... Mm. cast out evil spirits. That's, that's an idea, Jesus. That's one idea. How about a different idea? Is there a plan B? If, if they would have said that, Jesus would have said, no, there's no plan B. Me sending you out, you going out, that is plans A through Z. That's it. You are going out. And I'm giving you my authority to do the work that I've been doing. So we will talk about ways to go about Jesus' mission for you um, in everyday ways. But I hope you realize that if you are a follower of Jesus, that you are being sent on a mission. That is part of who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. Next thing, we are to be boldly humble. Boldly humble, huh? Jesus gave his disciples very specific instructions. Look at verse 8. He says, take nothing for the journey except for a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Verse 10, whenever you enter a house, why don't you stay there until you leave that town? Don't, don't go wandering from house to house. Now, what is Jesus getting at? Well, one of the reasons why Jesus told his disciples to, to travel light is so that they could really be dependent on the hospitality of the people that were welcoming them in. They didn't come up driving their Jaguars, right, with a big old Gucci bag, whatever people carry when they drive Jaguars. I don't know. Um, When you go into a home, (laughs) I want you to be dependent on those those people and their hospitality. Uh, What did that do when they started having this conversation where the disciples would actually start talking about repentance? Well, you know, if, if someone comes to me and says, you know, Greg, I want to help you fix your life. <laughs> um, I, I, well, I might think, okay, well, let's, let's hear this. If they come from a, a, a position of superiority where... 
as if I have nothing that I can offer that person, uh, I'm probably not going to listen to him, right? What is Jesus building in? He is removing any kind of superiority that the disciples can have as they enter these homes because they are completely dependent on the people that they are staying with. If someone doesn't come in a position of superiority, um, but rather from this um, position of humility. Wow, I'm going to listen to that person. If that person is engaging with me in a way where I realize, ooh, we are helping each other here, I'm going to listen to that person. That is what Jesus is doing with his disciples as they go into all these different homes. Go in a position of humility. So they know that they need you and that you know that you need them. Or else they won't listen to you. And he also says, be content with your lodging. Once you have it, don't go from house to house. Don't try to get the, you know, the deluxe accommodations. Don't start comparing notes with your other disciples, your friends that are in the town with you. Um, And if you find out that their house has a hot tub, you're going to try to go join them. Um, Don't make the mission all about you. I I remember for several summers I would take, um, help take, teenagers on mission trips locally in different states of the United States, not international trips. But, you know, just kind of, you know, we went to Chicago one year, North Carolina, here in Texas, Mississippi. And we often would stay in churches or schools that um, you could say were air conditioning challenged. I mean, there's you know, very, very um, Spartan conditions sometimes. And just didn't feel very good. And frequently, uh, it, it, it was amazing how quickly the adults uh, on our trips, uh, we, would, um, we would start grumbling. You know, the teenagers might grumble, but the adults, we all were grumbling. Oh, my gosh, can you believe how bad it feels in here? No air conditioner. How are we supposed to get a good night's sleep? And so on and so on and so on. And before we knew it, we would forget that we were, like, on a mission trip, and it wasn't about us. And this is... What Jesus is helping the disciples to realize, this trip is not about you. It's about, it's about the people that you're, you're staying with. It's about this message that I want you to share. Um, so Jesus says, you know, if you get a home, it may not be your favorite home. Stay out while you're there. Just, just stay there and be humble, boldly humble. And we need to show humility in order to accomplish our calling, this mission, and, and that is, um, this last statement, we are to be sh- sharing a bold message. I want you to think about those disciples going into these different homes. What was the message that they were sharing with the, the, the homeowners? It wasn't, hey, Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. That's not what they were saying, because that hadn't happened yet. It wasn't John 3.16. That's not what they were telling the people they're staying with. To get an idea of what their message was, we need to go back and mark a little bit. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, and look at what Jesus says when he starts talking about repentance. Verse 14, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The interesting thing is repentance is good news. That's not what we normally think. 
All right, so I'd like to release our, our youth to go to their discussion group where you will continue talking about repentance and what that means and how that is our message to share. In order to understand um, what this message was about, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You have to understand that good news or the gospel, that, that wasn't a religious term in Jesus' day. Um, it often was a political term. It was used in everyday ways. Uh, for example, we have several ancient um, inscriptions that would read something like this. The gospel of Caesar Augustus. The good news of Caesar Augustus. And that was political propaganda that was sent around these different provinces, and as the kingdom of Rome would spread, the kingdom of Caesar would spread, uh, ambassadors were sent out to, to say good news, gospel, that Caesar is king. And if you will submit to Caesar, if you will follow Caesar, all will go well with you, and you will live in the peace of the empire. So follow Caesar, and you won't be destroyed. <laughs> Embrace this new kingdom, in other words. So when Jesus says, the kingdom of God is here, repent and believe the good news, he is saying, it's not the kingdom of Caesar that is among you. It's the kingdom of God. It's a new kingdom, and you can follow the ways of God's kingdom. The the word gospel, in other words, was tied to a historical event, something that was happening. Jesus called people to repent because of this historical event actually happening, the kingdom of God coming near. So this is the context for us to understand verse 12. That's where the disciples, that says where the disciples are in these homes, they are sharing the message of repentance. They went out and preached that people should repent. Now this is a little maybe controversial today because of what people think of when they hear, repent! Repent! Often people hear, when they hear, repent, change your ways, because God is angry with you, and he will damn you if you don't shape up. Now, it is true that change is a necessary part of repentance. I want to talk about what repentance means. Um, Change is necessary, but the word actually is much more positive than negative. It's good news, not bad news. So let's talk about the definition of repentance. Uh, the Greek word for repentance, I find that in the New Testament, it, it really means to change your mind, uh, to come across new information, and for that to click in your mind and bring about a, a, a change, a change in your attitude, a change in the way that you think. Um, you know, when Jesus went out teaching repentance, it's interesting to see people... People didn't uh, come or follow Jesus kicking and screaming. I mean, they, they wanted to. They saw his command to repent as good news. He's giving them a new way of seeing God, seeing what following God is all about, what life is all about. And so they were glad to change their minds. So the other biblical definition of repentance comes from the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, it uh, means to turn. So not only are we changing what we're thinking, but it actually leads to 
a change in our actions. We're a change. We're turning around in, in, in what we're doing in light of this new information that we have. And we need both of these attributes to understand repentance. It means a change in action, but that change comes through a new way of seeing things. And the other thing to know about repentance from this passage, and it's absolutely necessary, is that um, it's necessary. The call to repent is the message that the way that you are living without Christ, it's the way that leads to death. So turn. It's necessary. God's kingdom is here. It's, it's necessary. There, there's judgment for those who ignore this message. That's why in, in verse 11, uh, Jesus tells the disciples, if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So this cultural symbol of we've, we've done our responsibility, we've shared our message, you're rejecting us, and it's not like, oh, that's okay, don't, don't worry about it. It's No, there's, it's necessary. Um, some versions of this, like the King James Version, a few other versions, they include um, an addition that we find in a lot of the ancient manuscripts, and that addition is this. Uh, that Jesus says this as well, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember the judgment they faced in the Old Testament? It will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city that rejected your message. So repentance is necessary. The invitation to repent is important. We shouldn't leave that conclusion up to the listeners. This is really important. A life without Christ is a life that leads to death. So we present the gospel and an invitation to repent. Turn from sins and turn towards, run towards Christ. I think it's helpful for us to realize that repentance is less about do's and don'ts and more about receiving freedom from bondage. And we see this in our scripture as well. Uh, we often think of repentance as a suppression of life. It's the opposite. So look at verse 13. Uh, verse 13 points, points us out that the disciples went out and they drove out many demons. They anointed many sick people with oil and they healed them. So why this talk about demons? You talk about demons today and sometimes people will look at you kind of, kind of suspiciously. Uh, simply, the Bible talks about Satan and about the demonic, about wanting to steal life from you. When Jesus cast out demons, it was a liberating experience. You might remember the story of, of the, the, the boy, um, the little boy who was possessed by a demon, and, and the, the, the father tells Jesus that the the the, the demon inside this boy keeps throwing him in the fire, throwing him in water, trying to kill him. And Jesus liberates this boy by casting out this demon. Now, when Jesus casted out demons, keep, people came back into their right minds. They had freedom again. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus says. Illnesses 
constrain human freedom as well. So Jesus gives his disciples the authority to cast out demons and to heal people, to anoint people with oil, and to make them well. So what kind of a a mission is this that Jesus is sending his disciples out on? Well, it's, it's it's a freedom mission. It's a, it's a mission to liberate people from what binds them. Verse 13, it's a declaration of freedom. You're going to cast out demons, you're going to heal people. So the disciples preach repentance, which is about liberation. They cast out demons, they heal, which are both signs of liberation. So here's what I want us to remember about repentance. Looking at over here, repentance is receiving a fuller life of freedom. That's what repentance is about. And the only way for us to talk repentance to others is for us to first practice repentance ourselves. We have to practice thinking of the promises of God and making that change in our mind, changing the way we think, realizing that the promises of God invite us to live in a much different way. And then as we go about living in that different way, we can then share that with others. And this is another reason why I think Jesus told his disciples, don't seek your own comfort on this mission trip. Don't carry a lot of extras. Don't carry a bunch of money with you. I mean, show people that you're reaching out to, that you're really willing to depend upon God. Authentic faith, that you really believe what you're saying. That you trust God, you're willing to to live for God and and believe that God's going to be taking care of you. Show that your faith has substance to it, that you really believe this. That you really do love God more than you love your own comfort. You see, it's it's easy to much easier to lead someone to a place if you've already been to that place. It's this authentic faith of trusting in God. So let me give you maybe a couple of examples of how um, sharing this message may look today. Maybe it's not door-to-door style. Maybe, but maybe not today. Um, maybe it's, it's something that integrates with your just everyday life um, a, a little more Organically, maybe you're at work. Um, one of your coworkers is struggling because she just she's a workaholic. She's overworking. Uh, it's hurting her family, hurting her relationships. It's stressing her out, and she just mentions this to you casually. Um, and and maybe you've been there. Maybe maybe you've you've had that struggle in your life, working like. Everything depended on it. And you repented because God tells you, do not worry in our, in our life. God tells us our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. And you're able to say to her, boy, I've, I've seen you working these long hours. And you've been putting in you know, a, a ton of overtime. Um, and I've been there. And this is what I've learned. And you just kind of share the promises of God. I'm a person of faith. And I believe that God is going to provide for us. And and that, that our identity is not bound up in our production and what we do, what we make. And I learned that God says to trust him. All this stuff is just temporary. But God says, you know what? It's not temporary. It's, 
relationships. Those are eternal. And just kind of share what you've learned and how that's inspired you to live in a new way. Uh, Another possibility of how this conversation may go. A neighbor confides that he's been struggling with a health issue, um, getting really worked over it, nervous about it. And you can say, you know, I'm a person of faith, and I pray. And there's this promise in the Bible that says, do not be anxious about anything, but, but bring everything to God in prayer. And that promise says when we do that, that God will give us or give you a peace that just passes understanding. And, and I want you to know that I'll be praying for you. You see how that's a message of repentance? Turn, turn from the way that you have been living in light of these promises from God and live this new way. And my friend, you can say, I've been there. I've been on that journey and I've made that turn. And you can think about other scenarios that you can share this message of repentance. Um, this is bold families for Christ. And, and we're hoping that you'll be talking about this with your families, or your church family, your friends. Um, how, how do you have these conversations? What has repentance been like to you? What are the promises of God that are really important to you that have urged you, compelled you to live in a different way that maybe a lot of other people are not living? Um, And how has that brought you freedom? But I want us to see that this message to share, repentance, it begins with us. It begins with our own practice of repentance. And it's not a, it's not a, I repented long, you know, decades ago when I gave my life to Christ, I repented and Glad that was over. Now I'm, you know, it, no, it's it's a it's a it's a daily repentance. And sometimes I, I think we can miss that and neglect that. Um I want to share a prayer with you. I think I included it in your notes. Let me make sure that it's in here. Uh yeah. At the bottom of your note sheet, you see this little prayer of confession. The reason I, I included this is so that we can work on being bold families of faith. You can have these conversations. Everyone take out your, your bullets, and you can look at this, this little prayer of confession. Um, this, is, this is a tool. This is something that you can use on a daily basis. And you may be able to come up with a great prayer. That's, that's wonderful. Um, if you're like me, sometimes you run out of things to pray for, and you wind up repeating the same thing over and over. And sometimes it's not very good. <laughs> uh, not that prayer is all about being good. But sometimes it's helpful to have some historic words that have been used throughout church history to help us repent, to confess and repent. And I would like for you to, to read through this. In fact, we'll read through it together. But this is something that you can, you can share you, as a family, sitting around the dinner table, pray this I'm in your own Walk with Christ in the morning, maybe. Pray this to practice this daily repentance. So let's, let's read. It'll be on the screen, too, for you left-eye people. It'll be on the screen. You can read it right from your, your bulletin here. Let's pray this prayer out loud. Say it with me. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done 
and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. To the glory of Jesus' name. That's, that's, that's humility right there. Walking and living to the glory of Jesus' name. So when we turn, when we repent to Christ, Jesus says, I'm going to choose you, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send you out to change the world. If you don't like the way the world's headed, go out and change it. That's our mission. You can do it. I've given you authority. But it starts with our repentance. You must believe that Jesus saves you. That without Jesus, you are lost. Repentance recognizes I am spiritually dead without Jesus and left on my own, my actions will lead me to bondage instead of freedom. But the one who sends us is the one who has sent himself. And Jesus, the good news, the gospel, is that God sent his son Jesus all the way down from heaven to earth. Jesus said yes to that mission so that he could come down and forgive us of our sins and lead us into this new way of life. To show us that no matter what darkness we may experience, family issues, job issues, money issues, sin issues, loneliness issues, that God, Christ, the Messiah, he's about bringing light to the darkness. And we can turn and now follow Jesus. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that you give us light instead of darkness, that the light overcomes the darkness. It's not a battle between darkness and light. Light wins out every time, and you are a God of light and a God of life. And when we trust you and follow you, we know that there is a blessing for us and that we can then share that blessing with others. So, Lord, we pray this week that as we go out, knowing that we're on a mission, um, that you would help us to repent every day, to turn again to you, and to live lives of hope, confident in your promises, confident in life in Jesus Christ, and that we would be willing to share that message. Sometimes it's a very gentle message of repentance, but it's an urgent message. Help us to share that message of hope. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, into his glory. Amen.